Okay, we are live. Uh, it's been kind of back-to-back -back episodes here this week uh, with Kale Sharrick of uh, Sharrick. Is that correct? I'm horrible with these names. Kale Sharrick of Tari Labs. Uh, I believe you're the chief engineer. Um, yeah, I sort of head up the engineering team here in Johannesburg. Um, okay. We don't we don't go by too many fancy titles. Now we we had met at the Magical Crypto Conference. We actually did um, a short interview there, and I thought it was great. But unfortunately, nobody else could hear it because I think our microphone was unplugged during that one. Uh, we were fortunate enough where all our <laughs> other interviews kind of came out okay. Uh, we've since fixed our sound quality, by the way, for because we have the Denver uh, MoneroCon coming up, so we're hoping to have better uh, sound and video quality there. Uh, but I didn't want to I didn't want to lose all that good information, so. Uh, Kale was kind enough to agree to come on again. Uh, basically going to be the same interview unless there's any new insights from three weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of get the the overrun of Tari Labs for the Monero community. It's always kind of been a little bit of a mystery. Um, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, I don't know how long ago it was now when Fluffy Pony made the announcement that he was going to start up Tari Labs. Um, I guess, was that a year ago now? Or it's, it's, it's all a blur in crypto land. You know what? It's, yeah, I don't know when you made the announcement, but I've been involved for just on a year. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, it's, been, it's been a fun ride. We spent the first six months trying to build up a team. Uh, you know, it's not like they are blockchain developers just kind of wandering aimlessly around the streets of Johannesburg. Um, so... Uh, that's been a fun adventure, like basically hiring the smartest people we can and um, not necessarily requiring a lot of blockchain experience, but, you know, hiring very smart people who are able to learn quickly and come sometimes with a fresh angle on things has been a pretty exciting journey so far. Yeah. And so when, when Fluffy kind of made that announcement initially, it was explained as being uh you know, he was going to go off and build this this kind of second layer to Monero is what it's kind of been described as. And when we spoke last time, and that, that could be my misinterpretation of what he was saying as well. But when we spoke last time, um, I think you kind of gave me a more clear understanding of what it is. Uh, so it's it's a merge mind sidechain. Uh, it's going to be merge mind with Monero, but it's not necessarily, it's not like a, a lightning network on top of Monero, it's its own, it's its own blockchain, right? It's its own coin. Mm. It just happens to be merge mined with Monero. So maybe you could just go into that a little bit more, kind of describing what exactly Tari is in terms of its architecture and how it relates to Monero. Yeah, sure. the The architecture of Tari is really what the community decides it should be, but. You know, there's there's a fair amount of influence and direction coming from Fluffy and Tari Labs, and you know what the current thinking, and you know we're fairly far down this road now, is that it's a merge mind coin on Monero based on Mumblewimble, and the reason we chose Mumblewimble is that it really has some really it has good privacy features. It's a compact blockchain, and it's got some very interesting properties that allow you to do interesting things from payments channels point of view and ultimately uh, the digital assets network that we want to build. And digital assets is really the focus of Tari. Um, the Mumblewumble 
cryptocurrency is almost like the point of departure. Once we launch that, it's almost like we're beginning the Atari journey and building this digital assets network. Uh, and when I say digital assets, I mean things like purely digital, native digital items that exist and die in the digital space, things like tickets, loyalty points, collectibles, uh, you know, card games, things like, you know, that you get crypto kitties on Ethereum and so on. That, that, that's the exciting part of Tari uh, and that's where we are headed. Right, so, but, it, but it's not that, but it's its own, it is, so is it closer to an Ethereum than a, than a Monero? Is, is that fair to say? I it mean, is, it is a little bit different. I mean, so look, the, the part that's merged mined with Monero is a standard cryptocurrency proof of work coin. Uh, in fact, it's very similar to Grinnell Beam because it's Mimblewimble. The only, the only real difference is that Tari won't have its own proof of work. It'll be merged mined with Monero, which means that Monero miners that opt in will get free Tari along with Monero. So depending how you define what a sidechain is, that would be the sidechain element of Tari on Monero is that miners mining Tari, um, miners, Monero miners will basically get Tari for free as a result of merge mining it. Then the, uh, the, the cryptocurrency itself lives a life of its own. Uh, so that, you know, it's um, another definition of side chains is uh, where you will peg out the parent chain and lock it up and you create the, the side chain coins as a result of that. That doesn't happen with Monero and Tari. You don't have to lock up Monero to create or or obtain Tari. You will you will obtain them by mining or buying them on an exchange or trading them or what have you in in the usual way. So hopefully that clears it up a little bit. Okay. You know, and, and some of the sort of the the nomenclature around what a sidechain is. I'm trying to. Th what's the oh RS? You know RSK on Bitcoin? Is that uh, that runs on top of Bitcoin? Is that the one that I'm thinking? Of? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, uh yeah so smart that's, um, is that kind of similar or is that it's yes that that is a much closer yeah it's a counterparty uh Rick, ricardo's mentioned uh tari being the sort of spiritual successor to counterparty on monero it's it's a it's it's more along those lines than an ethereum for example mm -hmm. yeah. and rs well rsk is kind of similar to well because rsk i think is merge mined right with with bitcoin I'm just, I'm just trying to yeah so root yeah rootstock is a federated as I understand it I may be wrong but it's a federated sidechain of Bitcoin mm -hmm. okay um so it's it's somewhat I mean I think the it's somewhat similar it's like closer <laughs> to to that than a, a lightning network okay. um, or ethereum but it's kind of its own beast uh, we, we I mean from a philosophical point of view, we have certain objectives that we want to achieve. We want to make it useful to everyday people. And so that kind of precludes things like following the Ethereum route. Okay, so if you take a step back and say, what is Ethereum? Well, I always liken Ethereum to someone playing a computer game and your, your computer has to take a snapshot of your entire memory state at every clock cycle. Like every time something happens in the game, it has to save the whole state of the game to memory and keep it forever. Right, and it had, does this every single time, and not only that, every computer in the world needs to keep a copy of your of your memory state 
every time it changes, which sounds crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, if you're running a little loyalty coupon for your restaurant or your small business, why should, you know, you don't need the security of every single computer in the world maintaining the state of your smart contract. So Satari eschews uh, that kind of global computer thinking. Um, and, and we explicitly want to sacrifice a little bit of decentralization uh, to obtain usability and speed. Because as we know, like anything that gains any kind of traction on Ethereum just grinds the whole thing to a halt. You know, like CryptoKitties got popular for a couple of weeks, boom, you couldn't do anything else in Ethereum. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think that's going away. I think that's a fundamental flaw in the, the design of Ethereum. The, the Tari Digital Assets Network looks at it, puts it on its head a little bit and says, well, what do people want to use while still being backed by a highly secure decentralized network like a proof of work cryptocurrency right so so monero is where where you're getting your decentralization from right it's it's backed but is that fair to say i mean it's it's, it's merge uh, yes, mine you're getting yes you're getting your security from monero right from the, the mm -hmm. proof of work so mm -hmm. the, the tari number wimble coin which we can let's call it just the tari coin gets its proof of work security from monero mm -hmm. uh and the you know and and everything that you can say about a proof of work blockchain immutability decentralization um uncensorability is transferred over to the tari token coin There's so why would, you, why, would you, why would you say it's less decentralized then i mean just because it's so kind of uh, that is more that abstract. is not less decentralized yeah the, the so the the actual digital assets get operated on a second layer and, and so the idea is that we have these, what we call validator nodes. They are basically services, uh, servers running and managing state of smart contracts on behalf of the digital asset issuers. And in order to incentivize those servers to, to run, they get paid in Tari. And the, the sacrifice and decentralization is that and a digital asset issuer can say, I only want three or four of these validator nodes to manage the state of my contract for me. I don't want every single node in, in the entire network. Mm. Um, it's, it's almost like a slider. You can decide how much decentralization you want. You say, well, you can say, I want 100 of these things and be very decentralized. Then it's not going to be very fast and it's going to be a bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, well, I only want one or two. And in fact, I may even trust those nodes because I run them myself, in which case, you can expect to have very high throughput, like thousands of transactions per second, um, because of, it's almost like it's almost like running a traditional AWS full stack service, right? But it's backed by a proof of work blockchain, so you have this kind of fallback to the security of the Tari token mm -hmm. in the event anything goes wrong. So it's quite an interesting hybrid of many different ideas. So, so the Monero, Monero miners, some of them will opt in to mining uh, Tari as well, right? There's really no reason for them not to. Is that that the the idea? I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, it's like zero marginal extra effort, and you get free Tari. So you get you get free. Yeah, tari. The, the hope the hope is that you know, essentially, all Monero miners opt in. Okay, but you and, know, we'll see. And then you have so then you have the, the miners that are securing uh, Monero, and at the same time they're securing Tari. But then you also have these nodes that are kind of almost federated 
that are the ones that That's are correct. then okay yes and yeah. but there could be as many uh, and and those nodes are getting paid as well essentially for for running and and running the the smart contracts essentially that that's exactly it yeah and how, how does that how does that get how do they get paid based on like what based on how much computing power there what's the uh yeah so it'll be a somewhat driven by the free market but that is that every single thing that happens on a smart contract every we call them instructions so any state change creating an asset transferring an asset um you know uh, redeeming a ticket that'll you know result in a state change anything that gets any anything that that is within the scope of the smart contract there will be a tiny fee associated with that hmm. so uh, okay. validator nodes will be it's basically validator nodes is almost like smart contracts as a service kind of idea and uh, you know you, you spin them up uh, you kind of bid for smart contracts to manage uh, if you get awarded them you can expect to earn uh, fees for for running and maintaining the state of that smart contract, mm -hmm. which the the digital, you know, which either will be paid by the digital asset issuer or by users, depending. Okay, um, and then so how how does the I guess the rewards work? So miners miners are going to get rewarded for for mining, um, and then. What, I guess what's the what's the issuance rate and what's what's the incentive for these nodes to start? Are the, is there an incentive to start early versus starting later? Is there? Um, do you uh, see this they, becoming something where people will naturally start running nodes? Like, is that an incentive there, or is it more of who, who's going to be running these nodes? Is it is it? Mm, well, running the nodes is totally permissionless. So anybody will be able to spin up a node and run it and. I mean, we want to try and get the incentives right so that you could do this as a business. Like you spin up a node uh, and the you get uh, compensated enough that you pay for your electricity and your servers and, and what have you and earn a small return on that, right? Um, it's really too early to say exactly how that's going to play out. But generally, I like to like, leave things to the free market and that prices um, you know, reach an equilibrium are just based on on free market principles. So, if there are a lot of digital asset issuers that are trying to asset uh, issue assets, and there are very few validator nodes, the price for managing smart contracts will be high, which should incentivize more validator nodes to come on board. Because it's as I said, it's totally permissionless; it's very low barriers to entry, and and that should push the price down. On the other hand, if there's tons of validator nodes, then it's very cheap to issue digital assets and then hopefully that encourages people to issue assets on the tower network i think it's also pertinent to mention that we're also dog feeding this whole process by uh implementing a ticketing business on on top of the tower network uh it's called big neon and it's currently running it's currently operating and selling tickets and and doing fairly well at the moment on a centralized basis and once the digital assets network is live, we will migrate the the system over onto onto the blockchain. So you and you guys will be will, like the first ones running most of the nodes, obviously, essentially, right? And then the uh, well, I mean, the the validator nodes themselves could be run by anyone. Uh, so it's almost like you're saying, all right, I have a digital asset, uh, but I don't really want to invest in infrastructure for this. I'm just going to uh, con uh, outsource the whole 
blockchain, state management system, and everything to validate the nodes and 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 basically pay them for that in Tari. That that's mm-hmm. this that's the model. There's nothing stopping me from running my own node and you know, selecting that node to be the the validator that, that manages that asset. Um, it all depends on what you want as a digital asset issuer. So it's it's there's there's lots of choice. There's lots of ways you can run this. Uh, as I said before, you can you can choose to have control, uh, or you can choose to have decentralization and 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 throw it out to the world. Depending on what your use case is, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't care about decentralization because remember decentralization is is not the be all and end all right um a lot of things work perfectly well on a centralized basis and and the tari network understands that and lets you choose based on what your needs are right crypto kitties really doesn't need to be censorship resistant on such a high level precisely <laughs> but i mean um, if, if you're if you're doing like if you want to do like some sort of um something that's politically sensitive or you know and and you're worried about censorship then you know you know throw it out and 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 throw it out to many many nodes and take the performance hit i mean obviously the more the more nodes you have that have to reach consensus about things you're going to take a it's going to be slower so mm-hmm. you've got this it's it's this trade-off between decentralization and speed right, but right, you know right. we don't prescribe anything to digital asset issuers we just say, you know, these are these are the trade-offs. It's not something that you can get around. It's almost like a law of the universe. Um, but you can you can spin it any way you want, and <clears throat> and I think there's going to be some exciting things if if this takes off and there's a lot of different types of assets running around and being issued and used on the Tari network. Um, there's a lot of scope for interesting interactions between them, uh, and 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 the forming of an ecosystem. Uh, there's some very exciting possibilities that we've kind of brainstormed about uh, that I think will make this project super, super exciting if it kind of reaches the potential that we think it can. Oh, what, what do you mean? Like uh, atomic swaps and things like that? Or or you're talking about completely yeah, not, not, yeah, I mean, yes. Um, but I mean, you can, for example, think about, well, we're going to have tickets, right, on, on Tari. Uh, another set of people might say, well, we want to issue digital identity on the Tari digital assets mm. network. I mean, you're, an identity is really a digital asset these days, you know. Um, and, and then we could go, well, a certain uh, venue that's accepting tickets is, could say, well, we want, we want to blend these things together so that, uh, you know, we, you need to prove that you're over 21 as well as owning a digital ticket. Uh, mm-hmm. without without revealing any other personal identifying information. And these two assets could be merged together to form a composite asset to say, um, you can only redeem this ticket if you can prove by a, crypto, you know, by a cryptographic certificate that you're over 21 and that you own this ticket, and then that can give you entry. You know, these kind of synergies uh, present themselves once you start kind of thinking about the possibilities. But but why why is this going to happen on Tari? I mean, there's there's already a million blockchain projects out there. Uh, what's the reason? Because it's secured by Monero, which is fungible at the protocol level and kind of one of the, hopefully the the truest form of <laughs> of cryptocurrency. Is that a selling point? And then also, I guess, like you were saying, the fact that it's potentially 
more efficient than something like Ethereum because it's it's built realizing that not everything needs to be perfectly decentralized for for smart contracts. I'm trying trying to understand why why is it going to blossom on Tari versus somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. I think you're right. At the the notions of privacy and respecting that and putting privacy back in the hands of individuals uh, is something that a lot of people haven't grasped yet. Obviously, the Monero community understands this very well, but I think the wider public are very blasé about how valuable their privacy is and and kind of give it away for free. Um, But hopefully this changes in the future and and that's one driving force. Uh, Two of the other things that I think will make me excited about Tari and the reason why I joined the project is that we are very focused on user experience and making it useful to an end user. So, um, you know, everything we do is thinking about how is this actually going to work in the real world, you know, five, 10 down, 10 years down the line. What do, what do users expect and what do they want in, in, in valuable and useful digital assets? And that thinking also goes into Big Neon, right? So Big Neon is literally the proof of the pudding. Um, if if Big Neon doesn't work on Tari, or let me put it the other way, if, if Big Neon works on Tari, then almost anything will, because there's like literally no worse use case for blockchain than a ticketing application. Because if you think about the demand for tickets, it's zero, some hot on sale comes on, it's infinite demand and then it drops off to zero again once the tickets are sold and then there's another spike when they get redeemed so um you can imagine in blocks empty blocks and then massive congestion and then nothing now we have decided we have to make this work in tari so you know that's kind of spun all our thinking around well obviously we can't put these digital assets on the base layer blockchain we can't put it on a proof of work blockchain that just doesn't work fundamentally so you know, that's why we have this validator node um, concept of it's kind of on a second layer. Uh, it's decentralized. We, we sacrifice decentralization to the point that the digital asset issuer wants, and that enables scale. So we're getting mm-hmm. scale and speed uh, from a user perspective. And then you've got this fallback of the security of the base layer blockchain, the proof of work blockchain, in case anything goes wrong. So we're trying to kind of catch the best of both worlds there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now, so I mean, just to summarize, to answer your question, it's yes, the privacy user experience and the fact that we're kind of dog feeding this with Big Neon um, makes me feel much more optimistic about Tari than a lot of other projects out there. Okay. I mean, obviously, one of the big criticisms with Monero was when... Um, they forked and created Monero Classic, or it was that yeah, right back in the day when uh, they had launched the the DAP uh, and it failed and people lost money, and then they went back and rolled and forked and essentially, uh, you know, changed changed Ethereum. It was it was proven that it wasn't uh, decentralized, right? So uh, Vitalik was able to just. Uh, oh, you mean Ethereum? The DAO. Ethereum. Yeah, the DAO. Yeah, um, yeah. the, there was the DAO hack, um, and then Vitalik pretty much single-handedly decided, oh, we, we have to, uh, you know, fork off. And, um, 
So is is that something like that less likely in a, in Atari? Is there is there any anything built into the architecture, or is that really just kind of uh, comes with time and uh, with enough developers joining your open source project? How does that get overcome in Atari? So one of our philosophies is that we don't allow arbitrary Turing complete smart contracts to be written on the digital assets network. We're, we're following more of a template approach, which means that the, the actual rules of the smart contracts are, are sort of almost hard coded into the validator node software. And then a digital asset issuer will select from a pre-selected set of templates. Is it, is it a kind of a ticketing application? Is it a coupon? Is it a kind of collectible asset? Um, and then fill in the metadata and issue the asset in that way. Um, so that means that, first of all, any kind of uh, queries about, well, is that less flexible or whatever, my, my personal feeling is that the, the market wants templates because if you look at a Turing complete smart contract platform like Ethereum, literally every contract out there is, is either an ERC-20 or an ERC-720, which are, are nothing other than templates, right? Um, it's really hard to write smart contracts in Ethereum that aren't like full of holes. Um, you know, and we've seen this time and time again, even like with parity, right? The, one of the guys who founded Ethereum had some major bugs in, in his smart contracts and, you know, locked up over a hundred million dollars in parity wallets. So, so we kind of avoid that, that completely by just saying, right, we're going to give you a pre-selected menu. Um, to create issues issues on, um, you know, make them as flexible as we need to be, and and that also means that asset issuers can issue assets without being developers. It's almost like a drop down menu, and you can go, oh right, this this fits my bill. I'm going to fill in the details and then click submit, and it'll be created. So um, the chances of things going wrong are more limited in scope mm -hmm. um, because of that approach. Um, and we also have a um, this idea of being able to version smart contracts because they're templated and they and they're fairly they they're not Turing complete and they're more more uh, limited in scope. Uh, we have this idea of if there are any vulnerabilities in the contract, we'll allow uh, asset issuers to opt into upgrading and migrating from one to another without any any real issues. So, you know. Again, like we're really focused on user experience, and we think these kind of approaches that we're following that really you know tie into that and just make it easy for people to create and issue digital assets that are useful and that people love to use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're you're saying it's just the uh, something like the DAO hack isn't as likely on Tari given its non-Turing completeness. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, was, I guess. The, the part of the question I was trying to get to is more of the um, the community and its decentralized nature, right? So that was the big criticism with Ethereum. Yes, it it, mm. it, it perhaps it failed because of its uh, touring completeness, and it was you know you were able to take advantage of that and and hack the DAO. Uh, but I get I think that the bigger issue was the fact that the hack was rever essentially reversed. Because uh, you know the the centralized Ethereum community came together and decided to do so, so that's mm -hmm. that's that that's what I was trying to get at with with that. But I guess that's yeah. not something that. Um, well, I mean, like the as I said, the Atari digital asset 
the the level of decentralization is something the asset issuer will decide on ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So if they decide to make it run by exactly one validator node, then by definition it's centralized. And if they control that validator node, well, in principle, they could try and do weird things. Um, but the the base layer blockchain is going to make sure that they're not breaking any rules. Mm -hmm. So you know, at any any point in time there's always this kind of Supreme Court of Appeal called the base layer Tari blockchain that you can appeal to to say, look, hang on, you know, this asset issue or this validator node is kind of stealing coins or, you know, doing something that's not according to the rules of the smart contract. And, and uh, you know, we can um, take, uh, take action accordingly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess the fact that it's it's backed by Monero and merged mine with Monero also adds additional security there, right? So that Yeah, the, so that yeah, so that security is is feeds into the the Tari coin layer. So right. preventing people, for example, doing a fifty one percent attack and changing right. changing or rewriting transactions that have happened on the on the Mimble Wimble layer. So we call the Mimble layer, Mimble Wimble layer, the base layer, and the uh, digital assets network, the second layer. But you can think of Monero as almost like a zeroth layer above that, where, okay. where the proof of work is happening. Okay. So how how many coins are going to be issued, and what's like the emission rate? Is it capped? Is it um, what's what are the details there? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I can't say right now. It's a bit too early. Um, ultimately. Uh, you know that needs to be hashed out. We haven't made any final calls on that, but I suspect it'll be similar kind of curve to Monero. Um, I think the Monero model is attractive in many ways. The tail emission, um, you know, basically covers any losses that inevitably happen. People mismanaging private keys and so on, um, and having this fairly steep. Uh, you know, exponential drop off in emission early on means that there's quite a lot of liquidity in the market. And at the beginning, um, I really don't like what Zcash did, for example, and with their slow ramp up, it meant that there was an incredibly constricted supply in the beginning, which artificially pushed the price to, you know, ridiculous levels. Um, and even, even Grin, you know, they, you know, they did the best they could, but I, I still think having a constant emission like this with a fair amount of hype means there was very little supply in the beginning. And I still believe the grin price is probably an order of magnitude above its equilibrium price. Um, so it's most likely going to look something like the Monero uh, emission shape mm -hmm. with a lot in the beginning and a tail emission. But beyond that, I, you know, I can only speculate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I guess one of the, yeah, so that, that was kind of, you know, when we, when we spoke last time, that, that, that was kind of, uh, a, a big, uh, breakthrough and understanding for me, the fact that it's really, it, it is its own coin. Um, it's, yes, it's merged mind. Um, but it's essentially, it's, it's its own project, its own coin. It's not a second layer. Uh, but do you see there being any potential, uh, obviously smart contracts, so it'll be used for things like that. But could it also play a role in helping it in helping Monero scale? Is there any? I know you guys, I think, are working on lightning, 
helping working on uh, Lightning Network as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, and bringing that to Monero. That yeah, thing it's is a separate great thing. But can yeah, it help in, in 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 achieving scale for Monero? Yeah. So what I think will happen is because we have such a good relationship between the Litari and the Monero communities, and there's a lot of overlap. And I mean, a lot of individuals are in, in both. Um, you know, anything interesting that happens in Tari, if it's applicable and if it works in Monero, I certainly see us, you know, bringing that back in. You know, um, we're working on some interesting things around payment channels. Um, as you said, we we have contributed to Rust Lightning uh, project, um, and you know, I we're very focused on getting the Tari testnet and mainnet out at the moment. But I can certainly see in the future us. Uh, you know, bringing, bringing these two projects even closer together and contributing back in. Um, even if it's things in like uh, user experience and usability and um, things like that, uh, which is, you know, one of the perhaps more complementary aspects that we're focused on. You know, I don't think it's unfair to say that Monero is still, f it's not the most user-friendly cryptocurrency out there. Um, although this is a guy that still uses a CLI for Monero. So, <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think that there could well be a, a lot of give back um, in, in sort of usability tools and things in, in the future. Um, but, you know, it's still early days. Um, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, but, but it being, you know, the atomic swaps, things like that, that there's no potential scaling uh, solutions there for Monero. Like, is, is there, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying to, fully understand here look uh, i mean uh, off the top of my head i don't know but um i mean there will almost certainly be atomic swaps between mm -hmm. chains cross-chain atomic swaps and uh monero is likely going to be one of the first mm -hmm. coins that get integrated into atari for atomic swaps so um that that'll be that'll be interesting in and of itself does it help scale monero i'm not so sure but mm -hmm. uh, it's certainly going to be quite cool okay uh you know so since since the launch of Grin and I guess Beam and I don't know if there's other ones as well now using Mimblewimble, has anything have you guys learned anything from those? You know, because you're obviously looking, you're actively implementing Mimblewimble now. Uh, mm -hmm. Are there any lessons to be learned already from from the launch launches of those uh, projects? Yeah, I mean we we are certainly we use Grin. Uh, Grin's also written in Rust. Tari's written in Rust. So Grin, the Grin project is very useful. Certainly, um, uh, the yeah, I mean we we've learned a lot from from the Grin project. Certainly, um, from a more general Mimblewimble point of view, um, it's still pretty early in those projects as well. I don't think they've made too many wrong turns. Um, I know Beam had a bit of a slip up in their you know they had a vulnerability in their wallet. Uh, a couple of months ago and you know the disclosure process and that may, might not have been uh, ideal but i think you know i think that that kind of thing we already know from monero i think we you know we kind of follow many of monero's policies and and norms and ethos in terms of you know community involvement and 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 responsible disclosure and so on so if something like that had to happen in tari we certainly handle it differently um but so far like you know there's not a lot of uh, it's not a lot of uptake on Grin at the moment, so it's hard to tell, um, you know, how it's scaling and how it's being used. Um, it's 
Grin is still a pain in the ass to use. I don't know if you've ever tried to send a Grin transaction. It's 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 still very rough around the edges. Um, and uh, we've taken a very different approach to uh, you know using and sending Tari amongst users uh, because uh, you know really we really really want to get usability right because what you could have this like Ferrari engine inside something that looks completely crap and no one's going to want to drive it you know unless you're a real ideologue. Um, uh, we want to we want to get the Ferrari inside a Ferrari chassis as well so. <laughs> Forget Lambos. We're now uh, we're moving on to Ferraris. <laughs> Have you met Rick? He's a bit of a Ferrari fan. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I, I think we covered it. You know, I just wanted to have you back on because uh, we we talked about all these things and the, and the sound wasn't too good. Uh, this is great. So when? How far are you guys? I know I asked you guys. I know I asked you this last time, and that's always a tough question. But when when can we expect to see? Uh, we're working really, we're working really hard um we we're focused on getting testnet out in the not too distant future so not too much later than early next year um and and when that rolls out i, I want hopefully the hope is that people will start to see what we've been talking about i mean in terms of usability and just uh you know ease of use uh and you know like really kind of starting to paint the picture of like, aha, this is, this is where we're going. And this is what Tari is going to be. So, um, you know, just be patient, hang on, hang on for a couple more months and, uh, we're getting there. We're working, we're working really hard on, on getting it out as soon as we can, but you know, uh, you don't want to take chances with financial software. So you're making sure everything is, is rock solid and safe. And, you know, when it comes out, hopefully it'll be something awesome you know, mm -hmm. that people really, really like, gravitate to and think yes and and kind of see start to see uh the vision that we've kind of had in our heads for a while and get ex and get really excited about it going forward awesome i guess uh one final final question it's kind of a doozy now that i'm thinking about it but like so i you know obviously monero you know uh on this show in particular right so always kind of trying to understand uh which coin is is the closest thing we have to digital cash uh that's kind of a big part of my thesis and what i think will be here in the future and what i think the point of all this cryptocurrency stuff is obviously bitcoin being the first it has the network effect but it also has some major failings uh potentially not as decentralized in the long run uh lacking the tail emission so lacking kind of that security aspect and then obviously the the fact that it's it's uh, not fungible on the in the core protocol level, uh, and then comparing that to Monero, where it seems to um, overcome a lot of those shortcomings and and really it really acts like digital cash, or if you want even want to say essentially digital gold. Um, so I mean, the the thinking is the or my thinking is like so a, a project like Monero really is going to stand the test of time because it's it's living up to this these value propositions and it's it's the best tech for that purpose, um, and it has the community that's trying to constantly uh, develop along those lines and maintain maintain uh, those attributes. So that then compared to something like Tari, where does Tari fall into place why why does tari uh why will tari be here in 30 years 
Uh, my, my thinking is Monero will be because it is digital cash. The world needs digital cash for the internet. Um, why will Tari uh, kind of stand the test of time and be one of the survivors? Yeah, I mean, that is, that's the, the trillion dollar question, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the, the winner takes almost everything. I, I mean, I'm not I, saying I, will it, but why, if it does, why? Like, what's the. Yeah, yeah. I mean, know? I, and, but I mean, I, I kind of have the same line of reasoning as you've just uh, spelled out in the question. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin. Um, my concerns about Bitcoin are similar to yours around fungibility. Um, I'm less concerned about minor centra um, centralization. I think in the long run, uh, ASICs will become commoditized and, you know, that problem will just solve itself. Um, I think digital cash needs to be much more usable, like instantly usable than proof of work blockchains currently allow, um, which makes Lightning very exciting. But I still think that the Lightning Network has certain thorns that need to be uh, worn down. I I'm not sure the Lightning developers, I mean, they acknowledge these problems, but I don't know if they acknowledge them or, or admit to how serious some of these uh, problems that the Lightning Network has are. So I think a digital cast, maybe it's a, maybe it's not just one coin to rule them all. I mean, maybe there are several digital gold type coins and then you atomic swap out into less secure, but much more usable and instantly settled coins. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of like going to your vault, drawing out some cash in your pocket and, and using that for day-to-day -day transactions. Maybe that's what the future looks like. And if so, then Tari is probably well-placed to sit in that space. Um, okay. uh, because, you know, it's, it's designed to be a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, value transfer rather than a digital gold. So, you know, let's see, 30 years, fingers crossed. All right. That's great. I think that that sums it up right there. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate cool. you uh, doing the, appreciate you doing this again. I know we're on uh, completely different times here. Um, yes, you can see the, the late afternoon sun streaming yes. into my eyes. So. <laughs> <laughs> different, different times, different seasons. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I hope to uh, maybe check in with you again. Oh, I guess Monero, Monero Con in Denver. Are you guys going? Is Tari going? Are you going? Uh, any, uh, we'll see. No we'll plans see. at okay. this point. But okay, it's coming we'll up. If you come, yeah. uh, definitely stop by. We're throwing a house party. We rented a house in Denver. Oh, wow. Well, in uh, that case, it's also... it's also a place where you could potentially stay if you want, if you need a room, if, you, if you're uh, showing up late. Uh, we have we have rooms to stay as well. It should be pretty cool. So it's just going to be Monero people. Um, Sounds awesome. Yeah. So uh, thank you. Maybe hope to see you in Denver, and uh, I'll talk to you again. Yeah. Anytime. Cheers. So long. So long. Bye.